Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Ewan Patterson. Hello, hello. And Jules Gale. Hey, guys. Returning from his gallivanting trip around the United Kingdom. Where I explored the great, wet, wild vastness <laughs> of my partner's living room because we were just doing remastering. Yeah. How fun was that? So Good. I'm 30 years old, and this is how I spend my weekends now. I'm glad you brought that back around. So um, we were trying to think of sort of general conversations in the industry going on at the minute. Mm-hmm. And Jules said, why don't we just talk about general sort of corporate greed in PR? Because it's a nice, lovely topic. I mean, you tackled it last week well the thing, so. the thing is is that like I, I used to work in marketing and PR before this so mm. I know all the tricks and trades and to be honest most people are quite savvy to how you know even down to like where your food is placed on the shelves when mm. you go into marketing how it all like into that into that psychological warfare that tries to get money <laughs> out of your wallet mm-hmm. but the video games they are quite abrasive with that, aren't they? Because so, obviously we were talking about a, a few things to do with um, games that are releasing special editions. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Larry Bundy Jr. literally messaged me about 12 minutes before we started this saying, who the hell is going to buy a steelbook version of the uh, Anthem game? <laughs> it has no game in it. It's 20 quid just for the steelbook. What? And that... EA are putting it on for pre-order now. What? what? Okay, wait a minute. So that I'm was... just saying. That, that... Was th- that happened before. There was something where you could buy the steelbook of a game without the game itself just for the sake of buying it for a like, shelf I yeah. understand it if you get it for like a pre-order as in like um, Soul Calibur 6 or 5 for example released it that you got a nice steelbook one if you pre-ordered the it Death, through there uh, not collector's edition but the edition that I got came with the steelbook but yeah. that was because it's the, the, the thing it's the, the actual thing that holds the disc it's not but, because yeah. it's a random thing but it's you won't go out stupid. of your way and buy it for 20 no. quid no. I mean no. the, the game costs you 60 why are you going to up it to 80 I just mean, to be like oh well I think about try. costing a steelbook as well it's not going to cost more than five quid for them. And you, you can't... Assume it not, yeah. And it ain't going to affect your resale value. Oh. If you then go into, say, like, Game or CEX or whatever your trading platform is there and go, like, oh, could we do this? They'd be like, well, I'll give you three quid more for <laughs> it. Like, think what, you know, I think what happens in EA at the boardroom level, they must have a guy who's absolutely obsessed with money, loves, mm-hmm. loves money, and we all love money. Who doesn't love money? But yeah. he absolutely loves money. And then every now and then, oh, whenever he makes, oh a, my really, God. Whenever he makes a really bad decision, <laughs> yeah. someone just gets his hand and goes... No. Yeah. And then this whole anthem thing is gone. 
How about I make a steelbook that costs 20 pounds? It doesn't come with the game and no one's been there. Someone yeah. shook that no. out. What I love is that I always think of uh, companies like EA or like the greedy sort of like corporate ones as being they're run by a person who has no idea what they're doing, but it's one of those like they've got electrodes strapped to their brain. And it's like every time they make the wrong decision, it's just kind of like, ah, and they're just like, uh, but, but if I press this one, I don't get shot. A big button that just says "Make Money," and his signature just gets put onto all of the bad decisions. So when weird, like when Mr. The, EA himself, yeah, when the doors get yeah. kicked down, he will be the first in the firing line. Sort of Army thinks that it is like this weird little corporate think tank that think of the most money-hungry practices at mm. the top because we like to sort of cartoonify them or assume that they're it's a, the, the suits at the top. Kind yeah, of Mr. Thing. EA, That's yeah, Mr. EA, yeah, yeah. and it's uh, and like you know the pro- there will be a financial reality to that. Obviously, there are there are going to be people looking at the facts and figures kind of thing, um, but. One of, the, one of the things that you mentioned before we started recording is, well, I started to think of based on the idea of tackling this stuff is like, we're kind of okay with the industry playing us. And we've have been, mm. if, like the, for, if you think back on the longest time we've been gaming, like you can nearly always associate a, a leading advert or a thing that was revealed as gameplay, even though it wasn't, mm. or like a hyped up feature that wasn't even in the game mm. or whatever. So one of my opening things was I was going to ask you guys, do you remember the earliest time the industry lied to you? Ooh. Like the earliest time you bought into something that was just straight up a bull poop? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I've got a big one, but yeah. Yeah, but you want to go first? I'm just mm-hmm. going to say I am the younger. I'm, the, I'm literally a pube but, compared but, but, to both of you. So you should yeah. probably go first. Seven yeah. years yeah. old. Yeah. to the fossils. Yeah. yeah. So Us back it, back in the day, wheel had just been invented, and then along came <laughs> along came these. Super... Oh, you seen that loaf of bread, mate? Yeah, I know. But I was, I was, <laughs> you slice it and everything. But then I'd left it outside and it got a bit wet. So oh. we're not going to go into that. But, um... You have a draft, mate. Anyway, so there was. The SNES came out, Sega came out, having their little battle of the titans back then in the 80s and 90s. And then you just think to yourself, I've just been lied to so much Mm. because the talk about the sort of, um, uh, what was the... The, the chip that everyone was talking about that the they PS2? had no 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 there's the SNES and versus the Mega Drive uh-huh. and everyone was just talking about oh it's got the RAM it's got this it's like mm-hmm. this Nintendo or Nintendo whatever it is yeah, Sega Sony, does yeah. so That's Sega does like. my God this is it's deeply rooted but it's scrambled <laughs> like fried eggs Sega does what Nintendo don't yes that one wow. slogan alone plus the hyper-aggressive like commercial uh, commercials that came out around the time mm-hmm. saying, like, you can't do this, Mario can't run, that Sonic was... can run quicker yeah. than him, you're like, but it, it must run faster, therefore it's a better... G- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was, like, yep, kind of... Yep, yep. they, they had the whole, like, you know, the 32-bit console back then, and that yep. was the, the marketing back then. If you go back and watch it, it's literally them holding up Sonic and him being all full of attitude. And yep. like, well, Mario's just a plumber, he can't do this. It is And then Sonic runs really ridiculous. fast. I mean, Sonic's brilliant, so he worked on me, he's better than Mario. <laughs> yeah. But the, um, the state that the... <laughs> just holding up Mario go, got a lot of this dork it's literally it's, it is literally. so close to that so there's a lot of that um, yeah and there was there's a lot of like hyper inflation especially the magazine ads back mm. then um, were like really over the top um, the one that I started to think of was uh, Killzone 2 yes. when uh, Sony yeah. showed off Killzone I 2 I remember that one I yeah. actually I was old enough to remember that one so there we go. <laughs> it was Probably. just like that was a full on here's a CG cutscene that mm-hmm. we've pre-rendered and we're going to pretend it's gameplay mm-hmm. and like that was just ridiculous I, mean, I obviously did a whole list on these like the other week and you can go and like check that out and stuff um, but the things like the Xbox One's Kinect reveal not being real being staged yeah. and just stuff like that that I mean, we like yeah. watchdogs and their I was going to yes. say my most my most memorable one is watchdogs because I was I remember that was like the coming of the next generation mm-hmm. and everything was mm-hmm. going to be amazing this is what this is what this is going to be the, the norm for games of this generation and then when it came out it was like well, it, it wasn't, but I remember being completely enthralled and engrossed by those demos that Ubisoft showed mm-hmm. first at E3, and then they came back a year later, and they showed off all the different stuff that you can do, and it, it yeah, it's it's completely wild that we keep on letting it happen, because I, I even when I know that this is in the back of my mind, 
Ubisoft turned up to um, E3 the year later and did Ghost Recon Wildlands yep. and showed off mm. this amazing kind of organic world where people would react to your guerrilla warfare. And then the game came out and it was the most cookie-cutter third-person tactical FP, uh, third-person shooter ever. A game, yeah. a game yeah. that Mercenaries had done yeah. better like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like ex- on the ex- PS2. Exactly. Yeah. A deep cut. Mm. I remember in the lead-up to uh, uh, Wildlands coming out, I remember you still had hope. Yep. And I saw it in your eyes and I was like, no, it's not, it's not going to be I that. I love Tom Clancy games. I, I mean, love them too. I don't want to pick on Ubisoft too much but even yeah. though I, I love very much Six Siege if you go back and look at the first demo for Siege mm-hmm. what they were showing there was a much more highly stylized like um Kind of thing, and we've talked at length before about that YouTuber, is a Crow B Cat mm. who does the compilations of like like amazing E3-free. YouTube. Yeah. actually, amazing. and uh, he did one of all the Ubisoft downgrades, mm. and the one for Siege is really noticeable mm. because in that first E3 demo, you have people kind of repelling down helicopters, and like there's that cliche like Ubisoft, like oh we're all serious tactical co- yeah. game, competitive gamers, <laughs> yeah. and it was nothing yeah, and then that. all the features that they had in it, like people being able to run outside for a long period of time mm-hmm. and then not be seen, and then the way that dis- uh, the the terrain would destroy and stuff yeah. like that. None of that was there in the game. None mm-hmm. of the lighting effects were there. You actually look at Rainbow Six Siege, it's a pretty decent looking game, but it's yeah. nothing like they promised when it first well, was th- real. There's, there's two examples that I remember being as big ones for me personally, and one was uh, Bioshock Infinite. Uh, mm. When that was announced uh, way back in the day, like I'm a huge Bioshock fan, like, and I've read the books, I've read I've got all the art books and stuff like that. I get, got really into the design yeah. process. So when I knew that uh, Bioshock Infinite was coming out and they released that, what they considered to be a demo of it oh, I remember with that the one. crows and yeah. walking into the bar and then being that, I was like, okay, this game literally might as well just be a hoover for my, my credit card because <laughs> I will pay anything to have this. Yeah. And then when it came out, I was left feeling quite underwhelmed because all of the things that they had they changed so much in, in that. that game and and I do believe that we need to be clear on what the term promise is yes. because it's not actually like Mr. EA or Mr. Ubisoft don't know if they're married and have kids like they <laughs> they, they, they come out and them saying like this is going to be in this game mm-hmm. it's what they show to the world that we're mm-hmm. talking about like a trailer a an advert things like that they are promises in a sense because they give you a, an expectation yeah. of what the game will be when it's they finished. do have they always have that thing at the bottom where it's like not indicative of the final product and it's like okay mm-hmm. but that but that, they used to have that they used to no, just they used to just run with it and then if yeah. anyone called them on it they'd be like okay actually guys it's not the yeah. official one but like, what, what I just thought of then was uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 like that the, the entire point oh, of that game yeah. is misdirection oh, and, and, it, and it sold you on the fact that it was going to be Snake yeah, yeah. And, like, and you almost couldn't get away with that today I don't think mm. and it's just like yeah like that, that whole thing with Metal Gear 2 the entire marketing campaign was that you're going to play Snake and then actually you're playing as Raiden and that factored into the story and how we take like different legends for granted and whatever Well, but still it's interesting that you said misdirection and the word legend because that was my second one which is brutal legend <laughs> oh, oh god right, right this yeah. is the thing that's brutal, painful right, brutal legend is not a bad game it's fun. It just, it's the it just, best opening ever it, exactly and it sold itself as being basically uh, what I would consider to be Psychonauts meets heavy metal yeah right? I was like heavy metal god of war that's how I thought it was going to be and mm-hmm. then it turned into a command and conquer clone that was just inferior in I, many, I was many completely ways. shocked I was like yeah. I remember like really enjoying the opening I was like wait what's this RTS stuff you, going you, on right Right. You know the bit really when weird. you get like the you do your first battle in that mm. and you end it and you go that was a nice distraction and then you're like oh wait I've got a second more unit of these. oh I've got a third unit <laughs> yeah. this is the game now isn't it? Yeah. yeah there was a, that was a really weird thing because they yeah they didn't show off the reality of what the majority of that game was mm-hmm. until right next to launch like if you were keeping up with all the gameplay videos eventually they started showing off the RTS stuff but it wasn't part of the like the overall reveals at the big exhibition the fact that the entire demo that they released was solely it yeah. finished at the point where the RTS began I felt was a 
huge indicator totally. of the nature of that, like, Even that is a weirdly deceiving thing. Mm. It's like, look at this thing you're buying into. The demo ends before you get to the... You do the opening hack and slash bit and the racing bit and the boss battle, but, and then that's it. That's mm. an interesting thing as well, because remember when demos were a thing? Yeah. Like, just yeah. demos. Yeah. And and we used to have... There's a really good uh, Funhouse series called Demo Discs that they used to do where they just get yeah. all, like, all the discs you get in all magazines and play them. It's really funny. It's I, I have hundreds yeah, of those. Same, and yeah. If you wanted to bring them in and play them with you. <laughs> there was a thing that was really interesting, because I used to love playing demos. I thought they were a really valuable thing for consumers to have mm -hmm. to be able to get a grip to whether they wanted to try a game out. Uh, for instance, I probably wouldn't have gotten the first Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter if I hadn't been able to play the demo online sure. with people. Uh, and then there was a stat that came out, probably would have been around 2010, 2011, mm -hmm. where they said that games that bring out demos uh, have less people actually buy the finished product. Because they, they feel like they've already Because they feel as though they've... Like, they've I, that's so weird to me because... Yeah. I think if you if you're if you're confident in your product, mm. you want to share it with people and then give them a taster of what's to come. I mean, we have betas, yeah. we still have those, but it's not the same as a as a finished product that you can taste and and yeah. get a feel for a game. Yeah, but, I mean, so what's actually worth more in that case? Mm. Is it worth more to make a sale and make somebody unhappy with the final product, mm. or to show somebody early doors and not receive that sale just yeah. by saying, "Look, you didn't like it. That's fine. It's not for you," sort of thing. It's for the people. Well, who it's are, like. I would say if it was an ethical thing, we'd all say put the demo out and let people yes. decide for themselves. But if you're looking at it from a corporate greed, well, that's then what of I was course you're going to be like, keep it shtum. Yeah. Not, not quiet man shtum because that bombed because there was no PR to that whatsoever. But still. Yeah, not the quiet man. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's another thing. It's like an extension mm. of that sort of like hook, line, and sinker mentality mm. to be cynical about it. Like obviously they want to show you something, get you hooked in by day one. It's why the reviews policies changed like this generation. Like you saw companies like Bethesda, Bethesda. Yeah, like, just restrict like access to reviews until the day of launch. Just so we're clear on this if ever anyone has accused us of any sort of like finagling with Bethesda it's just the fact that we don't even get our review copies until the day of launch and <laughs> we're expected to have reviews it's, out it really uh, that's a good that's a good way to segue uh, mm -hmm. actually into influencer culture yeah. and mm -hmm. talking about kind of how outlets as well because it was a thing back in the day I mean, you'll be aware of this as well it's like um, video game publishers reached out to outlets. You have it like the days of like the Game Informer exclusive previews. Obviously, you still have do them, it, yeah. like, the covers yep. and stuff, but it's not as prevalent across the industry. It's because they're finding that reaching out to you know individual YouTubers who potentially aren't as critical and, and aren't approaching the the topic with the same kind of thoroughness or objectivity, mm. if you want to call it that, um, as an outlet would do. And that's really interesting as well because you know that in itself plays into the whole mystique of creating a vision of your product mm -hmm. that is ostensibly this perfect thing. And then yep. if you, it, it's very frustrating. And I'm sure most people out there probably agree that reviewing outlets should be able to get the, their hands on it as well because there's yeah. the critical, yeah. you know, that's, that's where you find the actual consensus. There are there are lots of claims, especially within our industry, about mm. people being paid off. Like, mm. YouTube has that feature where you have to say whether or not you include yes. paid promotion. And then it came out recently that a lot of people actually will still put out stuff and not tick that box that mm. says that, which is completely lying to the fans, by the way. <laughs> and we, we can't do that because we are... We are a company that, if it got sold, it could take the entire company. It isn't just one person in the basement. This would absolutely <laughs> do. You remember what happened to Machinima? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of personal because Machinima have like mm. completely they've been bought and like all the YouTube videos are taken yeah. down. But back when the Xbox One came out, it mm -hmm. turned out that they were pushing all their content creators to push the Xbox One yeah. and the PlayStation yeah, Four and stuff. And it's yeah, that's another interesting thing as well. And I, I guess. It, uh, it, it's it, it, how it all meshes together well, to create a very annoying I, thing. It's, it goes down to the point where 
it's not just the people at the tops, the mm. publishers who are lying to get their mm. games out there mm. or, or false advertising. It is the people they use as the mm. means to channel that to their directly. What well, you were audience. saying about um, like you know the value of marketing and the value mm. of advertising mm. and like the general. I love the word optics. I keep using it all the time. Like the general perception of a title or a franchise or a brand yeah. or whatever. The optics around a certain game and like something like Anthem. Like I've been playing that most of the weekend, like alongside Resi Two. And like it's a quick little thing you mentioned about like people feeling like they had their satisfaction based on the mm. demo. Like, I totally feel like I've, seen, I've played the majority yeah. of Anthem based on those few hours. Um, but in terms of, like, the optics of a certain game, like, uh, yeah, the value of branding the, or the, the value of marketing, um, someone like Rockstar don't even bother, like, until they are completely ready and something's about to drop and they'll go, okay, GTA Five is real in, like, June and it's out in October. They had possibly, and I would argue that it might be one of the most perfect uh, media pitches for Red Dead Redemption 2 mm. last year because everyone knows what Red Dead Redemption is about. By this time, people had either played the original or there was enough swell about the announcement of Red Dead Redemption 2 that people were just like, okay, I get that it's going to be a Western, whatever, blah, blah, blah. The fact that they put their entire marketing pitch behind, these are the things you can do when you're not doing the amazing story. (laughs) It was like, um, is it when Cartman buys the theme park in South Park? (laughs) It says you can't come in and it creates a generated (laughs) buzz of people saying, but I want to know more. Mm -hmm. It was like that, but basically the Rockstar going, yeah, you can play cards if you want. If you don't want to take on the massive story that we yeah, yeah, it's like, and it's like, but can, can we see more about the story? Oh yeah, sure. But let me first show you about horse racing. And it's like, yeah. I want to buy this game and, so badly. And uh-huh. it intimates com- um, confidence in their own product. And obviously, mm, yes. Rockstar have plenty of pedigree. You know, mm-hmm. we know the amount of money that they they. Oh, yeah. into their projects GTA 5 is still in the top yeah, 10 exactly yeah. and I think maybe if you're looking at a Ubisoft or an EA I mean there are still oodles and oodles of money floating around those projects oh, yeah. but to say that either of them have the same pedig- pedigree mm. or it, let's let's face it it's not as though whenever Ubisoft release a game it is an event you mm. know whenever Rockstar release a game it is an event yes um, whenever you know um, I think like a new Assassin's Creed is still kind of yeah ish. I would say mm. I would say so but it's not to the same level where Ubisoft would be confident enough to go oh yeah it's Assassin's Creed we don't need to show you why I should play it whereas if it's Re- uh, Red Dead or GTA or even yeah. a new Bully for instance mm-hmm. Rockstar can just go yeah you know what it is true get it well the, <laughs> the interesting thing as well is well it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. 
For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Uh, another clarification we need to make is that not all advertising is bad. Like, no, like no, advertising, no. It, that is one of the main ways to sell your game. If you don't, then your game will get buried. Like, independent developers struggle so much to get their game on anyone's radar mm -hmm. that it's, you know, it's their biggest challenge. But one of another perfect example of a good advertising campaign has been the Resident Evil 2 remake one. Mm, yeah. They've done their trailers, they've done that, but the one-shot demo Brilliant. was a fantastic idea that fits thematically into the world of Resident Evil. You get one shot to get away, and when you're done, you're dead. And that thing's so, sales speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, it's already, I think, oversold half of Resident Evil 7's lifetime sales in ben its Roy first said it week. was 3 million, wasn't it? And, yeah, and, yeah, and, uh, and like, Resident Evil 7 did 4 million across two years. Right, so, like, I, yeah, so, like, it, that's the thing, but that would, that would counter the idea that demos don't result in sales, because clearly... People played the demo uh -huh. and went, I want more. Uh -huh. mm. I have a theory for this. <laughs> Not only oh, is uh, the 90s very, and you know, we have the nostalgia pendulum. We can get into the, Google that term if you want. So, you know, we're kind of in the midst of like every 20 years or so, we kind of look back. Surges, like, like okay. the surges of like 90s and 80s culture is really in right now. Yes. It's not unsurprising. Um, but but um, Resident Evil, the single player demo, that I think the reason why people will be compelled to buy that is because it is a linear narrative experience that lasts for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then once it's done, it's done. Whereas potentially if you have a multiplayer demo uh, that you can play whenever you want and there are constantly mm -hmm. people in that multiplayer demo, which was the case back in like um, the, Xbox, the days of the Xbox 360 mm -hmm. and PS3, yeah. potentially people feel as though, oh, it's just a free outlet to play this certain thing. Whereas if you're offering, you are, you are offering a linear experience that you can only play for 30 minutes, that is going to encourage people to, to and buy mine. And it's not as if the demo didn't hammer you at the end of it being like, oh, buy the game now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know Plus, I mean? chances are, I mean, like, when I was playing the, the one-shot demo, like, chances are when you're playing that, you're going to get cut off mid-fight or mid-exploration. Yeah, I literally picked up the something. shotgun and I was like, yeah. And then it's like, <laughs> yeah, buy the, the game. game. I was like, oh. Yeah, and it's like, weirdly that, like, because obviously it's dynamic and they don't know exactly when that cut-off's going to come, but like, for a lot of people, it probably worked, like, in the middle of something that you just want to continue. Um, and I thought that that worked extremely well. Like, but Because, mm. um, yeah, I was going to say, in terms of, like, over Overall, like, what do you guys think influences your purchases? Like, is it just a cool like aesthetic? Do you tend to read reviews? Because I, it's obviously going to be a product of what we do. Mm -hmm. But um, like, I'll go, I'll kind of just go off. I don't know, like a couple of bits of gameplay, some screenshots. Yeah, like, I mean, I, th I think for me, one of my biggest influencing factors for buying a new game um, tends to be because games are a way of keeping in touch with people as well. Let's not forget. So if there's mm. a game that I know my friends are going to get, I might not even be particularly enthused by it, mm. but I'll probably end up getting it because I want to play it with them. Um, I'm so I'm very 
very specific with my gaming taste as mm. well. So if, say if if Marvel turned around tomorrow and announced a Captain America game or something, it's mm. being done by Insomniac. I know that I know I'm there. They yeah. have me. <laughs> yeah. Just take yeah. me now. Yes. Um, so it's that sort of stuff as well. I would say that if there is a series of franchise that I'm not particularly keen on, I will kind of seek out reviews. But one mm, thing yeah. that I just I don't value at all is the whole influencer culture. I just don't right. buy it. I don't I don't care about a diehard mega fan on YouTube blurting on about how much he loves this certain thing because at the end of the day that that opinion it, it means nothing to me. See, so yeah, yeah, just to quickly address mm. that though, like that's one of the things to talk about before in terms of the way that like you know massive corporations or sorry massive companies can pay for influencer culture or can pay for a, a whole bunch of tastemakers, whatever word they want to call them, mm-hmm. to sponsor their games. Like yes, if you hire like fifty Mortal Kombat fans and send them to the Mortal Kombat event, yeah. they'll say nice things about Mortal Kombat, and like that's the thing that hardly ever gets addressed, kind of thing. But if you're also a huge Mortal Kombat fan, they'll delve into the mechanics and the like. You know, there'll be a certain type of coverage that only they'll do that mm-hmm. the average like IGN reviewer, just for example, might not do. For example, Resident Evil 2's review, just to mention the IGN one, they didn't seem like they went through the whole thing. They only did one quarter of it, by the sounds of it. Yes. and that obviously had a knock-on effect for both yeah. the fans and them in terms of you know what a review's supposed to give them. I think that it's um it's it's a double-edged sword using the influencer things because I know that mm. we've been invited to events and it's very very hard to we uh, turn down to, a rally course. Yeah, and it's <laughs> but at the, at the same time uh, we'll use um Capcom um Marvel versus Capcom Infinite as a good example of this. Uh, they invited loads and loads of uh, professional players of both uh, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, lo- lo- like top tier gamers, especially within the Marvel Combat Marvel versus Capcom combat roster yes. and they uh, inside Marine uh, the, the VO studio yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. and, they, <laughs> and they flew them all out and they sat them down and they get the, let them play with like a dev demo mm-hmm. and uh, they walked away from that saying this is one of the best things I've played in ages this is a true continuation of the Marvel vs. Capcom franchise mm-hmm. Then, as the reviews came out, and everyone was just like, "No, it's not." Like, what are you on about? Like, what game were you playing? Like, they changed so much about this mechanically, and then they came out afterwards saying, "Yeah, actually, I guess when you're flown out there and paid for, all expenses paid, and you get all that stuff done, and everything's free, and everyone's smiling, you do kind of just buy mm. into it." And it's like, "But you told everyone to buy this game," mm. and I worry that it would happen very easily to, I think to anyone put in that position. That's obviously what they want. Like in terms of them, the EAs, the Activisions, or whatever, mm. they want a controlled message. That's the heart of all the PR stuff is, is controlling the message um, to ensure that like certain people go out. And then you restrict the review side mm. of it, so you've only got, and assumedly, like to take it to its logical endpoint, you've got a whole bunch of influencers that already love the product being given access to a certain thing. They say a whole bunch of nice things, and you restrict the review copies to the wider critical reception, mm-hmm. so that that message is controlled. And that's for the most part where we are now which is the zenith of everything <laughs> across yeah. the last couple of uh, generations I mean I'm, I personally struggle to find out about new games without ending up stumbling across a massive fanboys channel mm-hmm. which will tell me so much about it that I feel like I'm almost put off by it or I need to have played this game or that game so it's almost it's, it's very hard to change your tastes once you're mm-hmm. in there but I always try I'm yeah, always yeah. looking at the beginning of each month I sit down have a look at what games are being released across the platforms I try my best to monitor Steam but it is impossible yeah, yeah, the amount of stuff that gets added to it's that it's the Epic Games Store now mate and it's, yeah Epic Games as well <laughs> and it's just like you sit there going okay what out of this do I want to play and then I have to say to myself okay if I'm going to play it is it going to be a review for the channel or is it personal if it's 
either that, when am I going to find the time? There's that like time well, sync side of it. And it mounts a massive. I've, I've still got to play Kingdom Hearts 3. I haven't even like had a chance to sit down with that. But <laughs> you I'm need so to finish invested. Red Dead Redemption 2, mate. Yeah, exactly. There's stuff there like go. that. Like mm. it's just it's impossible to stay on top of it. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I just bought. Um, I, in terms of like you know buying something, I don't know if you guys have ever impulse bought like something or whatever. But like oh, I just got yeah. yeah. Oh, so I just got a Hong Kong Massacre, which is like it looks like a Hotline Miami meets Stranglehold. Yeah. Um, and that should have been my dream game. It turns out that it's not as tight as I'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just was literally went straight off. Like I, you know, when you load something up on the PlayStation Store and it starts to play the gameplay behind it. I was like, like, that looks perfect. Yeah. And I'd already heard about it. And um, and I just sort of looked at the art style. I was like, yep, cool, fifteen pounds. I done. make a point of not buying anything on the PS Store for that exact reason. <laughs> right. Uh, like usually, what I do is I, I get very anxious about spending money as it is. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. it, I feel guilty out there. Like, oh, I've just spent my money. It's like, but brain, <laughs> you earn that money. It's like, well. Yeah, but, but this, this could be food. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so typically, what I'll do is I'll try and I'll try and just you know look at different places yeah. and try and make sure this is actually the thing for me. And mm. usually, I'll chicken out of it at the end of the day. But um, what I'm finding at the moment is that I'm going back and playing games that released like two or three years ago. Yeah. Um, like I bought Sniper Elite. Yeah, Battlefront Two. I've been getting back into that recently. I bought. You're about to say Sniper Elite. It's a fantastic yeah. game. Yes, yeah, it's Sniper because like I love stealth games. I love historic games, and then that thing just I completely didn't care about when it came out, but now that I'm, I've gone back to it and the price has come down mm. like, well this is actually very interesting and where was the market in for that where is the target in for that that's, it's, it's interesting isn't it it's, that's a know. much that's a that's such a thing because mm. the longer you wait are you are you better off always waiting because mm. you can avoid the hype bubble and you can get the complete consensus critically commercially everything yeah. if you just wait mm. all I'll say is that gold edition when mm. you wait for the DLC to be added <laughs> oh, you, get, the you, stuff, you yeah. get everything for mm-hmm, like yeah. half the price like I mean I'm happy to sit on some games until that point hits mm-hmm. like I would there are some games that I wouldn't like Destiny right now like I played a bit of it back in the day but now even with all of the DLC mm-hmm. package the mm-hmm. consumer base is winding down on that yes. maybe so well it's had a bit of a surge since Bungie uh, split from Activision it seems like it's actually got its soul back but I've only just but, yeah. for example uh, bought um, in September I bought Superhot no, how, really? long yeah, exactly. how, how long has yeah. that game been out? Yeah. And then uh, I get to experience it again, and no one's talking about it, and it's just chill. And I go, "This is brilliant, <laughs> yeah. amazing." Yeah. I, I both because the thing is, like, I mean, me and Josh we talk. Well, we, we always talk about this. Whenever a new Call of Duty comes out, like that's an event game, yeah. um, and it's like you've got you've got all the branding, you've got like all Monster Energy, you can get double XP weekend, and there's all this horrible yeah. like you know gamer type stuff. But I part of me totally likes getting lost in that stuff. It's like both sides of the coin. I was about to say you say horrible, but I see that as just being the same as any other sort of sporting mm. event. Like if you watch NFL, if you're involved in like football and stuff like that, you know the build up to the preseason mm. is almost itself a main event mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah, it's, it's almost like it's almost like the opening day of the Premier League when mm-hmm. Call of yeah. Duty comes out because that's when everything flushes uh, yeah. kind of comes in at the start of and it's it, yeah again, people get hurt afterwards and angry. And it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's interesting because I've constantly wrestled to and fro with Call of Duty in particular. Mm. Like I remember when that was the thing at school and everyone was playing that. I mm. tried not to get sucked into it because I thought I have an inbuilt hipster complex I find in my brain where if anything is super popular. I get very suspicious of it. Um, but then, like, every now and then, I feel the call of Call of Duty. Yeah. I feel the call of Duty, if you will. Yeah. And you and, run to the console. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's interesting because it's almost a case of, like, that that brand has so much recognizability mm-hmm. and so much pull no matter to what generation you're from you'll have a memory of Call of Duty mm-hmm. that was probably positive and they're able to cash in on that reliably mm-hmm. every single year even if uh, Call of Duty World War 2 that, that, when that released it was disastrous like the, the whole yeah. multiplayer was broken on oh, PlayStation yeah, yeah. for weeks you can't forget and that installment it's, it's really yeah but it, what's, what's interesting is like you were saying about like uh, tuning into it at certain times mm. there definitely seems to be like whatever your first Call of Duty game is you'll defend 
defend that to the death. Like, yeah. I know people who still go up to me and say, like, Ghosts was the best one. I'm like, I'm sorry, bro. You <laughs> no are, one's you are saying so, that, surely. Then, yeah, apparently so. <laughs> I mean, I was way back in the day on the original trilogy. Yeah. Me too, mate. It's all right. PC. I was actually going to raise a point here. Go on. Um, and how multiplayer games keep their communities going and how that marketing affects things. Like, with stuff with mm. Overwatch and um, Siege and, mm. to a degree, Battlefront 2 now Rocket as well. Rocket League. And Rocket League. Mm. Um, they have, like, th- loads of different strategies that play to make it work. So for Overwatch, it's the seasonal events to try yeah, and get people in. Seasonally. With Siege, they try and really bank on the competitive nature of the game because, mm-hmm. like, in a few months' time, it's the invitational. And then I feel as though sometimes what you get with these multiplayer games is you get developers constantly tweaking things about the multiplayer to get people to come back and visit repeatedly, yeah. even if it doesn't need any tweaking. Yeah. Like, you could probably have said that the build of Overwatch a year and a half ago, that was perfectly balanced and fine, but yeah. they're constantly tweaking it. And every yeah. time there's a tweak, you go, oh, I have to go check it out now. And but that's it, really interesting. But it's interesting because it's when you get your core base involved in tournament schemes mm-hmm. and can turn it into a competitive like uh, league, as mm-hmm. it were, mm-hmm. you've you've hit that golden spot exactly. because it's people actively taking your game and, and gamifying it in itself. Yeah. You can get it wrong, though, Absolutely. as with um, Street Fighter V. Do you remember when they put all of the adverts on the oh, uh, God, thing for, yeah. what was it, two weeks to advertise yeah. that there was going to be a Street Fighter V? They saw a player dip because of that. Because mm-hmm. like, well, that so, just looked horrific. That was just like, and they, they did it so egregiously where it was like, yeah, instead of a Kuma symbol, it's a giant tournament know, logo. Or but, like it's, but it's advertising that has mm-hmm. gone completely off the so rails. So, yeah, to bring it full circle, like, I mean, yeah, in terms of you saying, like, you know, obviously, like, yeah, there's a way to monetize the community, but it has to be done with a level of respect mm-hmm. and appreciation, which that level of respect usually isn't there during the hype bubble window the initial launch window that tends to be the time when review re- review copies are held back yeah. and it's just like let's just coast on the hype as much as possible and we'll figure out a way to pay people back respectfully later on hence Battlefront 2 yeah but that's the thing as well it's like we're no longer seeing the, the days of where marketing would just be at launch we're now mm. seeing it at a constant level games mm. that are becoming platforms in themselves True. and they constantly have to reach out to people to increase their player base I mean crikey you don't need to repeat just how much uh, multiplayer games they have the spike at the beginning yeah, and yeah. a massive decline where, and it's only recently we're seeing exceptions to that rule where player bases are resurging and you know there are partial reasons for that like DLC mm-hmm. uh, community support and other ways but I think that's, really, that's a really interesting thing to draw upon yeah. it's like we have that initial flux and then now we're seeing recently PR develop to get people to actually stay invested in the yeah. thing they've already got. And like hopefully a lot of the like I don't know if, I, I don't know if you'll see a massive shift in video game advertising, like respecting what a game's gonna look like in the long run. Because mm-hmm. even something like Arkham Knight was just like, hey, buy our season pass. And it was like, what's gonna be in it? I don't know, like six Batmobiles. things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, like we had, like fans had to actually ask uh, Rocksteady to be like, what's actually gonna be in I this pass? I actually made a petition about that. When yes, you did. I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> finish well, up. just that it was just that idea that like, yeah, they need to respect the long haul. If you're gonna de- design games that are going to be platforms going to last a long time then you can't necessarily cash in because people are going to be playing them for long enough and it's interesting enough that you mentioned Arkham Knight even though Spider-Man also fell foul to the same thing because Mm -hmm. that season pass Mm -hmm. had details that wasn't announced but that is a great game that was basically allowed something that was potentially not as great advertising to be like just buy these three mystery packs go on give us some more money yeah there is that you know what I mean like it it affects even the biggest game Mm -hmm. any platform can be monetized the hardest thing is mobilizing your player yeah. base. Yeah. I think, I mean, because um, me and you did that video on like why sort of corporate greed is like essentially not, well, I retitled it as a t- in terms of it dying. Like it mm. seems like there are some big seismic, um, I don't know, retaliations against stuff yeah. like the Battlefront 2, like, you know, the loot passes and stuff and the way that, um, oh, the loot boxes and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the whole thing with Bungie like separating from Activision. It kind of seems like there's a bit of a, a change in the way that things are advertised and monetized. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess going forward, hopefully that'll be the case. And I, I wrote down here about crowdfunding. Um, and 
independent publishers and you can yeah. get away from the corporate mentality as much. And so I don't know if that'll be the, 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 and then you the have, case next you time. Then you have so many other where, like, what's that game where they've, they've got all the celebrities in it and like they still haven't... Oh, is it the, oh the space thing. The space thing. Oh, it's it. the biggest this thing is professional. as well. Yeah. The I know one what you mean, they've, like, they've, they've, they've got loads of like millions and millions oh. invested in it. Star Citizen, is that what it's yeah, called? Star Citizen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that's not coming out. And then there's, like, <laughs> there was whole stuff coming on um, about the Steam early access stuff mm-hmm. and kind of reconciling now several years after they really introduced the early mm. access stuff how has that affected Steam as a platform mm-hmm. so that's kind of I think going into the next generation like obviously we're, we're, we're a more interconnected gamer community than ever mm-hmm. and so like it's depending on how they take advantage of that stuff going forward like for better or worse but something like Star Citizen like yeah there's even a potentially corporate mentality to the way that thing's been put together mm-hmm. even though it's a big Kickstarter project and it's the same way that you can look at influencers and taste bakers and go like, oh well they're not corporate they're not X mm-hmm. website yeah. but then they can still fall foul to the like, you know the wrong yeah, thing yeah, yeah. I guess I guess the biggest advice that I could give to anyone out there who was just a bit unsure if they were being taken advantage of is just really sit back and think about it us mm-hmm. sitting here telling you to think about it is also us trying to influence you in a way just step away from the game industry and realise what you want to do also right? watch our Kingdom Hearts review yeah I guess also so. watch all our content also buy my, <laughs> also buy my t-shirt yeah also buy yeah, you know, oh like, god do, do you see what I mean yeah. it, is, it is a horrible game that we all play it <laughs> I say we introduce subliminal advertising in our videos from now on so you should be there talking about and number five buy Jules' shirt yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it's not as bad as the super liminal from The Simpsons. <laughs> Join the Navy! <laughs> Not to worry. So yes, yeah. you guys let us, let us know what you think down in the comments below if you're watching on the video side or you can find us on social media if you're on any of the audio platforms. This has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Taylorford, joined by Ewan Patterson. Hello and goodbye. And joined by Jules Girl. Follow me at RetroJ with a zero over on Twitter. Yeah, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs> bye. Also, bye. Bye. Ewan ruins things. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.